0: The best fried chicken in Texas. Brody's Country Fried Chicken. Texas born, Texas raised. A chicken joint with 35 years of service to our community. Thanks to our loyal customers and social media followers. Come try the best gizzards in Texas. The best tenders in Texas. And the best chicken in Texas. Call us at 830-773-9189. 830-773-9189. Don't forget, we have curbside service. And delivery by DoorDash. Or find us on Facebook, Roadie's Chicken. R-O-D-E-E-S Chicken. Like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. The best fried chicken in Texas. Rodie's country fried 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 chicken. chicken. Metal Interview. Our guest for this episode of That Metal Interview with myself, James, is none other than Kevin Martin of the tremendous band Candlebox, which are to release a brand new album by the name of Wolves on September 17th of this year, 2021. The album is to be named Wolves and is to be released on September 17th So you guys can go ahead and pre-order it. Uh, Go to their website, uh, CandleboxRocks.com. I believe if you forget that, I go ahead and just search Kevin Martin or Candlebox on social media. And you can find those links on there. So uh, Kevin Martin is our guest and they have a brand new single that we are spinning on J-Rocks Metal Zone, our radio station, a radio show, j Zone.com. And my weakness is the latest uh, effort by Kevin Martin and the gang, Candlebox. And uh, sometime last year, they released another single by the name of Let Me Down Easy, which was co-written by Chris Cornell's brother, Pete, along with uh, Kevin Martin, of course. So check that out also. So they got some good songs out there. They got some badass music. Candlebox did not die or end or finish in the 90s. These guys have kept on. Rolling and kept the train going, and they got some badass music, so check it out. And check out their latest one, of course, My Weakness. And so uh, here is our interview with the great Kevin Martin of Candlebox, enjoy. Let's start with the new single, My Weakness. That's the brand new single, right? Uh, very, very cool jam. Uh, we're spinning it on our online station, J-Rocks Metal Zone. <clears throat> brand new album coming out, uh, Wolves, September 17th, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, can you talk to us about the this long-awaited record? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Too long-awaited. Uh, right? We we actually uh, we finished it. Uh, well, I finished vocals on it in January of last year, twenty twenty. And then, um, so we had recorded the record in August of 2019, um, and then I took like four months to work on the lyrics and melodies and stuff, because and, I, I kind of felt like I, I wanted to make sure that the songs were, you know, pretty much close to perfect, rather than a lot of times what I do is, um, I'll, I'll kind of, I tend to do what Dave Girl does, where I get in the studio and I let the song kind of speak to me, and then I write the lyrics during the process of, of recording. Um... With this one, I wanted to spend more time focusing on um, lyrical content and melody <laughs> because I wasn't really prepared to do that in uh, in uh, August of 2019. Yeah. Excuse me. <clears throat> so um, I, spent, uh, yeah, I spent four months writing the, the lyrics, and then I went to Houston uh, in January of, of 2020 uh, to do the vocals with our producer, Dean. Uh, and we just Airbnb the house. We set up a studio in the house, and um, over four days we tracked twelve songs, um, and uh, and just had a really a really really good time doing it. Um, and then the, the process was at that point, you know, we'd already started working on artwork and everything to to release the record in August or September of twenty twenty. So uh, that all got shut down uh, a year ago today, yeah. and um, and so we. Uh, we you know we we contemplated you know do we shelf the record do we uh, you know do we wait to release it in you know January of this year and you know there were a lot of conversations that happened uh, between March and September of last year and the consensus was let's release release the lyric video for um, Let Me Down Easy uh, which is a song that I did with Peter Cornell which would kind of I think um to tie people over for a little bit um, and then you know the hopes for us to release two or three more by January of this year and again with all the kind of trappings of music and things that were happening in, in the industry October, November, December of last year we felt that maybe it was best to wait until, uh, until March to release uh, a new kind of single and then the Release date coming up uh, September seventeenth. So, you know, it, it's it, a lot of it is um, I don't know. It's, it's frustrating as an artist. Um, yeah. but, you know, you, you're you're at you're at the liberty of, of whatever labels that you're you're dealing with, and also distribution and you know these uh, these companies that put your CDs out and produce the vinyl. You know, you you, you want it out instantly, and a lot of times it's um, it's really what the schedule is with the people that are you know helping you to uh, to release this so that's why uh, september 17th is release date but you know i think um, god we've been waiting as long as everybody else to get this fucking thing out and <laughs> um yeah and now you know we have a date so we're, we're excited and, and we're also excited to know that um the touring's going to be happening again in the fall and you know uh fingers oh. crossed none of this you know gets fucked up again
0: oh wow nice that news right there cool yeah so, so what's behind the, the, the title Wolves what, what's the story behind it
1: well I think you know for me the, you know the last four years of the, the Trump presidency um, really brought out I think the worst in everybody um, yeah you know uh, like him or not you know it's certainly just my opinion um, you know uh, but I felt that um, there was you know obviously and I'm not the only one there was just, this ginormous shift, um, in, I guess, you know, the psyche of, of society. Um, mm. you know, there was, you know, there's these lone wolves and there are these, uh, packs and the pack mentality of, of, you know, cancel culture and, uh, or, you know, um, attacking, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter or, you know, attacking Blue Lives Matter and all these opinions and all these, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in my opinion, ridiculous, um, statements, you know, not only physically, but, um, um, politically and emotionally. And, you know, people just, I felt that everyone has kind of lost, um, you know, lost direction. And wolves are a very uh, interesting species. Um, you know the the pack leader is not uh, always the one in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, generally they 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 follow the pack. They are um, they are the one who uh, protects. You know, the alpha male protects the the, the, the pack itself. Um, and that seemed to have kind of um, dissipated in. And I felt that in society that we weren't lifting one another up we weren't um, you know praising one another we weren't pushing one another to be great we were pushing one another to be destructive and we were forcing one another to answer for things that we didn't need to answer for and that's kind of where uh, this kind of title Wolves came from and, and that um, that lone wolf mentality of uh, I'm just going to do what I want and uh, and you know um, whatever the consequences I don't care I, I fear them not and So that's where the title came from. And it also, you know, the the record is, for us, it's fearless because we we didn't stop ourselves from doing what we wanted to do or or a direction we wanted to go. So that's why you have a song like My Weakness, um, you know, against um, Let Me Down Easy, which is this swampy, bluesy rock track where my weakness is very much it was written around the, the concept of 80s pop um brian adams and, and and that sort of thing these kind of great hooky catchy songs that i'm a you know huge sucker for um i, I love you know i'm not ashamed to say i love brian adams i don't think he's written yeah. a bad song
0: great music yeah <laughs> great music <laughs>
1: and uh, yeah and and they're epic tracks you know and and um and that's kind of why you know this this record you know also why i chose the name walls is because there's an individual species in every single one of these songs when, when the record comes out i think people are going to find that um, there's something for not only everyone but um you know there's certainly a, an awful lot of of this band's uh changing members and directions over the past uh 20 years that um that are reflected in this album
0: speaking of uh... Brian Adams and different bands. Uh, I heard you're a huge uh, Midnight Oil fan. That's so? all.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's how I named the band. Yeah,
0: that's a little bit different than uh, than uh, the genre of rock that you play, huh? A little bit different.
1: Well, you know, I think the interesting thing for me is I grew up listening to all kinds of music. And, uh, you know, I I had uh, an older sister that turned me on to punk rock and new wave and and, uh, an older brother that turned me on to uh, metal and and prog rock. And then another older brother that turned me on to kind of the European... pop dance music if you will so you know there was always something different in my world Um, and then my father was a jazz musician and we listened to a lot of jazz around the house my mother was into gospel and R&B so we listened to a lot of that so I was always kind of influenced by you know my surroundings but Midnight Oil you know for for me, as a child, I, I've always had an affinity for Australia and things. Australians, a lot of my favorite bands were Australian uh, bands like Perubu, um, Gurus. <clears throat> excuse me, Split Ends who were from New Zealand. But I found the night oil when I was about um, uh, maybe 15 years old. And um, there was this, I think it was the conviction of... of his stance as a political um, uh, opinion maker, if you will. Um, yeah. Peter Garrett, an incredibly talented human being and, um, and, and um, you know, great respect for the Aboriginal community and this is somebody that was fighting for them. And I found that really interesting. I'm, I'm also, um, you know, I have great affinity for the Native American tribes, uh, which is why we wrote a song years ago called Pull Away, which is about the book that I read called The Trail of Tears. So I have always kind of been from the underdog, and Midnight Oil was one of those bands, and Peter Garrett, of course, that kind of brought that out uh, of me. And then I went to see them on my 18th birthday in Seattle, and um, he was so commanding, and um, and, and so incredibly uh, uh, demanding as a, as a performer, not only on his band, but on himself, that um, it just kind of solidified that for me. Uh, you know this this great talent,
0: uh, uh, and this incredibly gifted band, brilliant musicians, and, and, uh, and oh yeah, yeah, just great great performance. <clears throat> now I understand. Uh, I understand you were a drummer before you turned vocalist. How did that happen? Um, who who inspired you to drop the drums and pick up a mic? You know.
1: Well, I was I was asked to do some demos by <clears throat> a friend of mine named Rick Vaughn. Uh, that band actually was Scott Mercado, Rick Vaughn, and Perry Althornis, and they they were writing songs and asked me to sing for them. And um, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I'm a drummer, not a singer. But uh, that became a band called Uncle Duke, and then Rick left, and Pete joined the band, and we became Candlebox, and then Perry left, and oh, yeah. Barty joined the band, and and that was kind of the story there. I was stuck with the job. Um, I've always tried to go back to playing drums, but, uh, you know, I guess that when the band, you know, uh, started progressing musically, um, it felt as though this was kind of my calling, being a lead singer of of a rock and roll band. Uh, I I still, you know, every chance I get, sound checks and whatnot, I sit behind the kit and I play for at least a half an hour a day. But, um, you know, it it certainly helps with... um, the rhythmic element of, of writing songs um, and, and um, lyrical uh, inspiration as well because I do, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty systematic when it comes to syllable uh, count when it comes to, um, you know, each line of a verse. So, syllabically, it's got to fit and, um, and being a drummer helps with that uh, a right. lot because there's, yeah. all of, um, there's all sorts of, there's
0: all sorts let's go back in time real quick. Uh, back let's say, 93, 94, Uh, how did you feel when you found out your debut album was uh, selling, selling a bunch of copies and, and then you saw your video on MTV, how did that feel, man, you know?
1: Well, I mean, pretty, uh, yeah, I guess when you started, you know, when you, I guess, when you're a kid and you're listening to your favorite bands and stuff and, you know, your, your first concert is, you know, kind of the one that you remember most and, you know your entire life is music and then all of a sudden you know madonna calls you and says you've got a gold record um wow. you know it's, it's kind of mind-blowing um <laughs> wow pers- you know certainly brings things to perspective that you know maybe it is um, you know life is what you make it and um and and if you push yourself hard enough um to you know, to find that dream and, and to and to believe that you're capable of anything, you certainly are. Um, you know, there are a lot of obstacles that are in the way of that for a lot of people, and certainly for Candlebox. You know, being from Seattle uh, was not only a um, help, but it was a hindrance because we were a band that, um, that the city didn't really know. Um, a lot of people didn't know who we were because we were about five years and age younger than. Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder and Alice, they're the guys in Alice, in Chains and stuff. So, you know, a lot. There's a lot of difference between a 21 year old kid and a and a 17 year old kid. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly was. Um, our goal as a band was to, you know, sell a certain number of records. And, and you dream that you'll have a platinum record someday, but. Uh, <clears throat> there's no real guarantee that that's going to happen. There are certain bands in, in Seattle that we were close friends with that we felt were better than us. Uh, a band called Sweetwater, uh, a band called Green Apple Quickstep um, that we felt were better than us that um, maybe even deserved it more than we did, uh, but never quite achieved. I don't even think sold a uh, hundred thousand records. So uh, it was it was amazing for us. You know, we, we I think we, I don't know if we handled it correctly, uh,
0: but, uh, but uh, yeah. you know, uh, because, you, you know, with that success comes access. But, um, you know, we
1: were uh, obviously very, very happy and, and excited to have, to, have, to have accomplished that. And to this day, you know, having a four times platinum record hanging on your wall um, is no small feat.
0: But, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing to us. Wow, that's so cool. So, uh, uh, you've talked about how you've had to fight to gain respect on the Metallica 94 tour. Uh, Can you share some stories on that? Was it hard gaining respect, or, or what's going on there? What happened there?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Metallica fans aren't, you know, aren't happy to see anybody but Metallica.
0: Yeah.
1: And certainly suicidal fans aren't happy to see anybody, you know, it's named Candlebox uh, yeah. you know we were supposed to do that tour with Alice and Chains um, it was supposed to be Suicidal tendencies Candlebox Alice and James, Metallica and Alice was going to be direct support um, Lane was in rehab so Alice pulled out of the tour and at the time Candlebox was selling around 125 to 150,000 records a week which Metallica knew you know uh, was was guaranteeing a certain amount of sale, uh, sales of tickets, but they were also fans of the band. Uh, Lars and James were, were fans of Box and they liked our record, so we were asked by them to, to be direct support. Um, and, you know, the fight really was to earn the respect of the audience and, um, yeah. and of course, Suicidal Ten. You know, Mike Muir was not happy to be opening up for, for Piano Box. I wow. I never understood why he hated us so much, but, you know, he's, he certainly made it clear to to us that, um, you know, we weren't welcome uh, in, in his world, but, um, you know, to each his own, and that's life. And, you know, we did the tour. We had, a you know, an amazing time. Um, You know, playing, I believe we played El Paso, Texas, didn't we, on that run? Or or was it just Dallas and San Antonio? I can't recall. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, in Albuquerque, somebody threw a a little fit to Jack Daniels uh, model at me and split my head open. I mean, we got shit thrown at us every day in Sacramento. People were throwing shit at us, boot at being a Buddhist every show. But, you know, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. But, you know, that's, listen, that's part of the. That's part of the course opening okay, for Metallica is, you know, it happened with Rush as well. When we opened for Rush,
0: fans booed us every night, you know. Oh, really? Uh, but, you know, it's it's,
1: it, it, it's 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 all part of making you who you are as a musician. <laughs>
0: it's
1: character, character building.
0: Wow. <laughs> what a horrible character building. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I understand. I mean, I'm a, I'm a rock fan, a rock metal fan, and uh, I won't throw a bottle up there. I, mean, I understand it. I get it, you know, I get it, you know. Some people are more expressive than others and, you know, (laughs) so, uh, I heard you're from San Antonio or we're not from San Antonio, but you spent a couple of years in San Antonio, right?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I was, I, uh, grew up, I grew up to kind of the formative years of my life. So from, uh, 11 to 14, Okay. kind of those, you know, puberty years and, and influential years, um, and, and. Certainly one of my favorite cities in the United States. Uh, I, every time I come back to San Antonio, I really do feel like I'm home. Uh, uh, even even Texas in general, just kind of, I still so man so many memories from those, uh, you know, four years of my life that, um, you know, the changes and experiences I had, uh, I'll never
0: forget. That's so cool. I'm in Texas too, so that's cool to know that uh, uh, a piece of candle box is from San Antonio. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, man, yeah.
0: Uh, let's go back to uh, Pete, Pete Cornell. Uh, how did you meet uh, Pete Cornell and uh, of course you wrote a song with him. So For how long have you known uh, Pete? <laughs> I met Peter uh,
1: in Seattle, um, God, 1987? Maybe 87, uh, 88. He had a band called Playable Soul. Uh, that I was a big fan of. Um, used to go see him play quite a bit. Uh, I knew his brother Chris actually before. Uh, I, I met Chris before I met Pete. Yeah. Um, but we never really uh, we didn't play shows together. Any so, um, yeah. jump forward 25 years to the 25th anniversary of the debut album. We're doing two shows in Seattle. Paramount Theater, and my manager is married to Pete now. uh, Amy Decker, she's married to Peter, and he was at the show. We just started chatting and and, uh, catching up on old times, and and you know, uh, sharing our thoughts about life and music and what had happened and how things were going. And I said, "Man, I would really love to have a song from you uh, on my new record. I would would just really love that." And uh, he sent me this track acoustically, and, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. Uh, it felt exactly how it feels right now, even though it was just acoustic. It had the same vibe, the same ass to it. And, uh, I was like, yeah, man, this is it. And I wrote the lyrics to it and sent him the pre-production demo that we did with the full band. he's like, that's exactly what it hurt, And I knew that uh, we were on something special. So it was really, uh, just, you know, uh, I guess it was 25 years of, of, uh, of something, you know, uh, I guess unconsciously wanting it to happen, um, with a you know fellow Seattle musician that uh, that I respected, um, it just kind of allowed itself to to appear to I think both of us um, yeah. in that in that conversation we were having at the Paramount Theater about music. It, it just kind of said, "Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you're, I'm, you two are going to have something, and this is this is what it's going to be," you know. And that, I think that happens with music a lot um, when you're conversing with a fellow musician. It, 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 songs are you know floating around you all the time, and it, if you're aware of them, and allow yourself to be aware of them, you can you can reel them in. And, you know, yeah. I mean, think Keith, Keith Richards said something like that. You know, at one point where
0: you could just kind of grab them out of thin air um, if you're if you're conscious. Now, how do you categorize Candlebox? I've heard of it being labeled as grunge, and then just being labeled as straight out rock and roll or bluesy. You know what? How do you ca- categorize Box
1: uh, I think Candlebox is just a rock and roll band. that's, you know got all sorts of influences blues based, um, punk based, pop based. Um, we just pull from whatever inspires us. Really, um, we don't uh, we don't limit ourselves to um, a certain style of music. <laughs> and I think that's mainly because we've we've just grown over the years as musicians. We've uh, we've become more um, accepted of the influence that we have um, and the influence that may be directed um, uh, towards us as well from other bands and other musicians and and, and songs that we love.
0: Okay, so uh, give us your favorite uh, Uh, Candlebox album.
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um,
0: Right? They're all good? I would... I
1: mean, I have favorite songs on each record but I think overall my favorite album to listen to is disappearing airports um, nice. although I really like this new one a lot uh, there's certain things about it that uh, that I just feel kind of uh, I don't know maybe I just I'm a little bit uh, insecure about them uh, okay so I, you know which means I'm, I'm not sure how people are going to take them <laughs> um, because there's some real honesty in these songs, uh, whereas "Disappearing Airports" is, um, I think, from top to bottom,
0: just musically um, my favorite album. Now, now that we're speaking of uh, "Disappearing Airports," what, why that title? What, what's behind that story?
1: Uh, that's the painting that's on the front of the record. That's the uh, that's what that painting was titled. Um, I had asked a friend of mine, uh, Scott Rivers Fisher, to paint something for the record, and. Uh, in, in, in sadly uh, in the second week of him creating something um, he had a massive coronary heart attack and died he was only 43 years old um, oh wow. so uh, his sister um, reached out to me and said listen there's this uh, painting that he was inspired by, that he had done, called Disperate Airports, which he used to listen, or he used to, um, when he would listen to your music, uh, he always felt kind of represented the band, and had all these kinds of different textures and things in it that um, he felt was like kind of I wish I could, you know, utilize this painting. This album that they sent him because he sent him the record to to listen to to paint to and um, so she said you know he kind of felt that this actually represented the album more than what he started working on and she sent it to me and I said that you know we'd be honored to put it on the album uh, as the cover so when you buy that record whether you've got the vinyl or, or the CD the first page of the of the lyric booklet tells the story behind the art um, the artist himself and um, and his kind of influence not only on Uh, popular culture but uh, musically uh, the band that he was in and and his friendship with with us as a band as well.
0: Oh wow, what a story. Wow. Um, Give us your favorite gig and your worst gig. Oh god. (laughs) That's a Um, tough one. (laughs) Favorite gig
1: um, probably the first show he played with Rush just because that was a dream come true. Cool. Um, worst gig? Oh, there's too many to count. Um,
0: <laughs> right?
1: We've had, you know, we've had, we've had some bad ones. Um, and it's usually the venue. Um, you know, it's not, it's not the band's playing. It's, it's the venue and lack of security. Uh, that's a tough one, man. I don't, I don't know if I could. Yeah i don't know if i can pinpoint you know one worst just i would just say that there's you know there's several on that list
0: <laughs> <laughs> it happens yeah uh would you like to send a message to the people listening to this podcast
1: yeah thanks for listening and um you know if you're if you're looking for some some piano box music you, you may not know that but there are you know
0: six other records that, <laughs> that we've released right. over the years. great stuff by the way uh, great stuff.
1: Thank you, thank you, yeah. No, but I mean, honestly, really just thanks so much for letting us do this for almost 30 years now, coming
0: up on. Awesome, thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you for making time. Keep rocking, and uh, I guess we'll see you sometime in Texas soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, I appreciate it.
0: Support Candlebox, support uh, Mr. Kevin Martin, support all of their efforts. Uh, pre-order uh, Wolves, which is their up-and-coming album, to be released, as we said, September 17th. Of 2021, so go ahead and find them. Uh, go ahead and look online for candleboxrocks.com or search, you know, candlebox out there on social media or Kevin Martin for that matter. So, uh, don't forget to subscribe and uh, uh, ring that bell for notifications on YouTube so that you guys can uh, be aware and get notified when we upload some stuff. So, thank you for your support from myself, James and the staff here at That Metal Interview. And don't forget to keep it metal. That Metal Interview.